Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Burdine and uh, I'm joined by uh, two empty chairs, the likes of which will be filled by Rodrigo and Eric when they decide to grace us. Uh, uh, but on the phone with me, Alex Schieferdecker. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Yourself? I'm, I'm doing well. It's uh, hot. It's humid. In Philadelphia, it's classic East Coast summer weather. Uh, How's Trivia Nights been going? I haven't been at Trivia Night for, for a while, uh, but uh, I'm, that's because I've been studying uh, in preparation for uh, a triumphant comeback. So. Oh, for, uh, of studying for Trivia Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, okay. We are going to talk mostly about Minnesota United uh, today because we've got two games to get through and a crapload of t- Twitter questions. Um, and, uh, you know, um, we're eventually going to have, when Eric and Rodrigo get here, they will enlighten us. But uh, Rodrigo has also been at USA Cup uh, coaching kids and seeing a lot of stuff. And so we'll talk a little bit about that stuff. Um, but, um, you know, first, uh, I'll start off before we get to kind of any of the news. I don't know if you saw, Alex, um, all of the, the tweets about red card to racism uh, and the Idaho Juniors uh, at the Minnesota United match this past week. Did you see any of these? I saw some of it. It seemed like they did quite well. Yeah. So, you know, to refresh everyone, um, this was uh, Bridget McDowell and Notch Karnick. Um, to to Minnesota United supporters. They kind of, uh, with a lot of other people, kind of helped organize uh, getting this team from Idaho, this group of kids who kind of had experienced quite publicly, you know, got viral news, um, racism from just some, you know, yokel dumbasses. and uh, yeah, and these guys, you know, they they brought them out. Um, they, they the kids did really well. They were at this game, and uh, I met a couple of the coaches, and they were super excited to be here. Um, they were just having the time of their lives. The kids were, you know, kids, and they were having fun doing kid stuff. So, um, and the team seemed to do well. Some uh, some of the supporters kind of went up to some of those matches and cheered on the Idaho Juniors. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was really fun and. You know, the coaches were kind of like thanking me and like, I was like, I didn't do crap. I talk, I, I plugged it a bit, but um, it was really fun. I think they were just kind of so excited that they were just kind of being friendly to everyone. Uh, anyway, it was great. Really, I really love seeing that stuff. It reminds me uh, of how much positivity uh, soccer can bring. I don't know. That, that kind of stuff just... Hey, I saw some other positive stuff. I saw... Um I saw the the dark clouds and and True North Elite and the fans who gathered after the Minnesota game on Sunday mm-hmm. to support the Unified team as they played. I think Nebraska United. Yeah, Nebraska's uni- uni- Unified Nebraska team as well. Yeah, other. I mean that was that looked great too. I mean yeah. I, I just I don't know. I, you know that's that's time out of people's lives, but they're spending it. I think in a way that makes such a difference for people and really. Yeah. You know, it spreads the love. Uh, it spreads. Yeah. It is what, you, as you said, what soccer really should all be about. Yeah, and using soccer as a way to, uh, you know, we on this show we often just talk about just uh, heath in or out uh, type stuff. But um, yeah, but, Kevin Molino, know, number I, ten or not? 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are the, yeah. So anyway, um, let, let me, um, let me, let's do, we're going to do the bulk of this as talking about the games, but I want to just talk about um, uh, a little bits of news. Uh, Duluth FC um, won the NPSL Midwest crown. Uh, they they beat Minneapolis City in Ann Arbor for the semifinal. It was like uh, harrowing for Minneapolis City fans who watched a, a PK being given up in uh, the uh, in extra time really late on. I, I missed the first half of the game, or I missed the first bit of the game where Minneapolis City gave up the first goal, and I think. I'm so sorry I didn't didn't get a chance to read up on this, guys. Um, I think it happened while one of the players was off the pitch because they couldn't get his nose ring out or something like that. Anyway, um, classic. Uh, so, but Duluth win in uh, extra time, and then they go on to beat Ann Arbor in PKs, uh, and now they're off to Miami to play Miami FC next weekend. How amazing is that, right? <laughs> it's so wild. So, uh, so congratulations to-, to Duluth and also Minneapolis City. Uh, it was their first defeat all, all season. Uh, had they just lost on penalties, then they could have been still undefeated. But uh, and, uh, alas, guys. And they say promotion relegation isn't real in America. I mean, Miami FC, the team that splashed the cash in the NASL, that bought Quadwo Poku, that bought Richie Ryan... It's now playing little Duluth FC, the Blue Greens, that the, yeah. uh, last year's NPSL North champions, and, and I guess kind of one of the two standard bearers for the NPSL North this year. I hope Duluth, I hope Duluth creams them. Yeah, um, as difficult as that is for me to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, it was great, great times. Uh, next year, you know, it's a long off season for those teams. Uh, but it was a it was a great season for 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 those two, um, and then uh, I want to before we do this I want to do Benedetti in question mark Ramirez out question mark. Uh, let's talk first about Saint Nick uh, Nicholas Benedetti. Um, the the rumors won't stop that he's coming, and uh, I don't know if you've you've been following us, Alex. But do, well, here's you wanna, what happened. Yeah. Like on I think it was Saturday night, like. Multiple sources from Colombia, from Cali, started tweeting about this, and and I saw this because I have um, on my tweet deck uh, the hashtag MNUFC, um, just that, that that feed, and so I started seeing a lot of this, and it feels like maybe there is something to it this time. I mean, there's been this sort of low rumblings of of Benedetti talk that sort of bubbled up this week. And there was a lot of talking about whether it was real or just, you know, media outlets rehashing news. And then there were a lot of, like, actual concrete concrete reports with detailed, like, numbers in, in the most recent reports. And I think that the, there are some things that make it definitely seem more plausible. His agent is, I guess, the same as Angelo Rodriguez's agent, the, the striker we just signed. Yeah. Um, both Colombian, obviously Darwin Quintero as well, a Colombian, and then there was that bizarre photo that showed up on his Instagram. Yeah, the the photo, uh, the Benedetti photo is uh, it's a it's a, a photo of a Polaroid, and in the Polaroid, some family member is wearing a Minnesota United uh, yeah. uh, T-shirt, and that that to me is like just an epic level of uh, I don't. It, it, 
It's funny. It's just, it's just mind blowing. I called it, uh, you know, information warfare. It's it warfare. It's it's agitprop stuff. It's great. I love it. I mean, I mean, clearly, right? Manny like left that shirt in Colombia when he was there, right? I mean, I don't know. Is did all? Did he tell all his family to like, you know, hit up the Minnesota United store and ship to Colombia in the past Who, week? I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe maybe they uh, maybe as part of the negotiation, it's like you know, in order for me to just talk to you, you've got to provide, you know, five thousand yeah. dollars and you know four loon shirts because those shirts yeah. are great. And then you've got a oh, and that's probably where my uh, Ebbetsfield hat went. They were like, we need one of these. <laughs> They're not made anymore. So. Yeah, the Benedetti rumors are uh, are are wild. It, it is so much fun to watch. We we're not used to being able to have fun. Uh, Benedetti watch hashtag Benedetti watch. Uh, here's, here's the final thing, which is that he he definitely does seem to be leaving Cali. Like he he I think tweeted or on Instagram he posted like a photo that seemed very like thanks for you know thanks for all the fish kind of for, yeah, for, yeah. for Cali fans and. I'm not aware of rumors that he's going anywhere else besides Minnesota, which have existed before. You know, there was talk about yeah, there's been no no significant teams he's been linked to. Yeah, right. There were you know there was European teams earlier. There was MLS. You know, hints of other MLS teams, but recently it's only been Minnesota United. So I don't know. It seems it seems much more plausible than it has been in the past. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if Darwin Quintero is there. there but I would just fly Darwin Quintero down there and be like, "Hey, go meet with him." Oh, uh, I mean, I think that un- I I see the Angelo Rodriguez signing in a new light if we pick up Benedetti as well. Yeah. Um, so we uh, let we're going to take a break and then come back, uh, Christian Ramirez, because uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Cheveria is here, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Rodrigo. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, we'll take a break and then you'll say more than that. Back on the 551 podcast, we suddenly uh, started uh, growing exponentially. Uh, Rodrigo, you came in at the end. Good to see you, man. Great. Great. You, Great uh, having you. You, uh, you were uh, doing uh, trivia night. You were uh, coaching trivia night up at uh, Nessie tonight, right? Yes, yes, I did. State uh, tournament, so. All right. Win? Or did you win? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. When you uh, are, are a team that has to go to playoffs to get into the state tournament you're more than likely going to get put in the toughest bracket so but overall it was it was it okay. was uh it, it was a good effort you know it's a state tournament but the girls to did, did you proud yeah they did okay. they did well yeah um and then uh eric you are here oh, yeah. uh welcome so now we're, we are we are a full staff alex you're still uh here or there in in philadelphia um i you know i i kind of cut to break so we before we talked about ramirez I, I don't want to belabor this because there's literally no concreteness to this, but uh, Bruce McGuire, other people have kind of pointed out uh, this kind of um, the real kind of reading into Ramirez's uh, uh, unusually dour uh, demeanor lately. And I, I think like I don't I'm usually anti reading into body uh, language from players and, and making but you know he didn't like celebrate with Miguel when when he set up Miguel for one of the goals. Like there was like uh, 
I, I don't know. It just it, it's very odd. I know that he's like there's potential trading block things that may that that are at least like going around, and those those go around all the time. So it's not. I don't know. I'm just like seeing this and thinking like, is Ramirez on the way out? He makes 640k. That's a lot of money for a striker. It's, but it's not crazy for a double digit goal striker. Um, I, I I don't I don't know. So I'm, well, I'm kind see, of worried. Did you see Meg Ryan's piece in the Star Tribune uh, uh, today, Monday? So for my listeners, did. yes. Yesterday, uh, I, uh, I I always like it when I feel like someone like is just like, oh, these people are. Uh, uh, on people on the internet are worrying about something. I'm going to go talk to the team about it. So yeah, what did, what did you oh. see in that article that you like? So support local journalism. Um, I, I, she just basically, you know, look uh, inquired about it and and got the answer that there have been the signing of Angelo Rodriguez led teams to you know call up Manny and be like, yo, is uh, does this mean Christian Ramirez is available? But there's no offer. Is what she reported. Basically, there's no, there's nothing that's in the works currently. So I'm sure teams will continue to ask because there are a lot of teams in the league who could use a striker of his quality. Um, I hope Minnesota tells them to pound sand personally, but <laughs> pound uh, sand. We'll see. Did you mention the the sit down celebration? Maybe yeah. Well, we'll get to well, that we'll, we'll we'll when games, we talk yeah. to the game about yeah. the games. Yeah, but I, I just think that overall, I think a lot of people uh, have been critical of of Christian and with some of it you know with with do right you know he's a, he's a striker he's supposed to score but I think a lot of people don't oversee his overall uh, game um, you know setting up plays uh, holding up the ball being able to win um, win um, you know fouls uh, those kind of things yeah, his Pablo Campos game of like getting fouled. And falling over and like winning time and space is like that. That he's, he's, he's learned, learned from some the Pablo Pablo. Yeah, and he's learned that, that was right? like Pablo the Mastery. best best strategy. Uh-huh. It was like he was a big dude, but it, like the ball would come, he'd fall over. Then the team would get a free kick and reset, or mm. they just waste some time. Or it's it's a the dark arts, man. Well, there was quite some contrast too. I mean, we'll also I guess we'll get to this between the, these two games and his reactions and whatnot too, but. Anyway, leave it at that, maybe. Oh, you're looking yeah, at Yeah, well, I was going to look up how many players uh, had, uh, in 2017, had double-digit goals. I, 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 my general point is that it's not that easy to find uh, double-digit strikers in the league. Consistent. And, um, and like, you know, I, I put a note here. He makes uh, less than Yannick Boley. Do you know who he is? Anyone know who he is? Colorado Rapids Colorado, yeah. Uh, Matteo Mancuso. We saw how bad he was for Montreal. Uh, he makes more than Juan Nagadello and uh, more than Darren Maddox. And he makes less than um, Alfredo Ortuño, the striker who Real Salt Lake signed to a four-year contract with a $1.5 million Yearly payout, and who they just released and sent back to a second division club in Spain because he had played 113 minutes for them this season and scored yeah, no that goals is, or assists. Those are nothing. some Demidov Ouch. numbers there. It's, Actually, it's that the is the worst signing that's, of the year. What, it's that's hard way to worse sign a good striker. It's hard. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on to the good point. Good parts, which is uh, we're done with three home games in a row, 
and it's nine points. Nine points, nine points in what? nine days or something. Say it again, Wes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, you know, we'll, let's start with this one: Minnesota two, New England one. Uh, Christian buys everyone a beer when uh, you know in the fourth minute and fifteenth second. I kind of said very loudly to the people in the section near me, uh, "Okay, you have forty-five seconds to score." Jerk offs or whatever. I probably said it more offensively. And then 15 well seconds later, Christian heard me and bought me a beer. He scored the goal. It was a bad back pass, uh, just Keystone Cops moment. Uh, and then Christian grabs a ball and does a spectacular 25 yard chip. Uh, and uh, and there we go. We're off and off into the races. Channeled his Quintero, did he? Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, it's just been. It's like Pringles around here. It's just like once you <laughs> pop, you can't stop. Um, and so, um, uh, after that, I mean, New England throughout this game were terrible. I, I mean, we've played some terrible teams this year. There's some terrible teams in MLS. These guys, New England, weren't certainly weren't the worst of the terrible, but they were kind of useless. And uh, and by the end of the half, um, uh, you know, that's when uh, in, in stoppage time, there's a counter. And then uh, Ramirez takes a shot, gets blocked. Quintero get, picks up the ball, does this like great little spin move on it, goes around five New England Revolution players before putting it to the far post and tucking it in. Um, I mean, it's like that kind of on both those goals. That's the kind of defending that we are used to seeing in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. The kind of and dire. People should go back and watch this goal because there are a lot of like interesting things that that happen. Um, it's like I don't know, I don't know if you remember that that video of like the um, the runaway like a uh, golf cart mowing down people at a like a Super Bowl or something. But it, where you watch it <laughs> no. every day, you know, you watch it like 20 times and you see a new subplot every time. It's the same way with this goal. There are so many players involved in it, and if you watch it, looking at a different player every time, you'll see something new. And I think, that the, <laughs> I think that the role of Ramirez and the role of Ibarra on this goal is actually really, really notable. Ramirez, after missing that shot, makes this run that clears that space for Quintero. Quintero runs right into the gap behind where Ramirez was. And Ramirez sort of as he runs through this crowd of defenders, all of them have to sort of, they all sort of, they hesitate. They make sort of a move towards him as he runs through them. And they're all just paralyzed because Ramirez ran straight through them. And then the one guy who's closest to getting to Quintero gets picked by Miguel Ibarra, which is, I can remember, I, he, I know he did that in the open air against San Jose too. I'd, I'd have to go back and watch to see if there are more goals that happened because of very subtle Miguel Ibarra pick and rolls. But, it was really a it was a great play, and there were two very very like not easy to spot uh, contributions from those two that made that goal happen. Yeah. And I, and I think that's something that doesn't get put on a on a score sheet or in a stat sheet that that that's valuable on the field. It's not the first time Ramirez. Uh, kind of forces Quintero to to become offensive, right? I mean, if we remember the first goal against Toronto, he did the overlap. He could have easily he could have easily gone inward to the second post in that run, but he decided to overlap him to kind of force him to shoot that ball. And when he did that, he scored. So I think I think Ramirez's uh, value is not only in scoring goals or holding up the balls or 
or or um, just getting fouls or being able to distribute the ball, but also his movement on the field um, sets up other uh, other players and opens up space for it to be more opportunities. This so. sort of force of gravity is is really important. The, the best strikers use their sort of force of gravity to pull defenders where they want, uh, and then obviously the, the trick is to break away at the you know the, the half second afterwards. But and, and the key for this team well. is like most teams. You know, you need your goals to come from throughout your team. Yeah. Uh, and so Quintero adds that. Miguel has been on fire. We've talked about that Consistent. over, you know, um, Alexi Gomez. And then, uh, you know, even, you know, we'll talk about Eric Miller because um, he came in the, in the LAFC game. They're not going to score those goals. You know, uh, Alexi, because he fundamentally can't keep it on uh, frame uh, and duck. Eric Eric Miller because that's not what he does. Um, yeah. Maybe that's where Romario goes. Who knows? But you also then need that the way the team is playing is you've got Colin Warner stepping back a bit more. Rasmus is playing a little bit in the middle, kind of sometimes you know like an eight, sometimes dropping back and defending, sometimes going forward. Ibsen is definitely the furthest forward of that midfield trio. We need a goal scorer right there. Um, maybe it's Saint Nick. I don't know, but um, it, it's some you need a you need a, a, a kind of late running in midfielder. Yeah. Again, we'll talk about that in the LAFC yeah. game. I think uh, we found one candidate for that role. Yeah, yeah, and and so uh, um, you know that 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 kind of stuff is going to make this offense tick. Um, well, just, and then the more the more you have those parts of four goal scorers in that team, um, then. Uh, then the the easier it is for each one of those people to contribute, right? The the yeah. less attention has to be on. You don't need uh, Christian Ramirez to have a twenty goal season to be a successful team. You just need to have him be a twelve to sixteen goal uh, striker. Right. Um, and I, and Darwin Quintero, right. eight yeah. goals from open play, two game winning. Christian Ramirez, seven goals from open play, two game winning. Miguel Ibarra, six goals from open play, two game winning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look that's, at that's, that's a beautiful pretty evenly distributed yeah. as goals come. You know, I mean, you have Quintero. Like last last week, we were like, you know, Quintero was at lead, and then it was Miguel, and then at the bottom was Christian. Mm-hmm. And look at and look what a week does, right? Yeah. I mean, and the so, confidence and and the I guess the the chemistry that's being built out of this three five two as well too. And I think that I you know I think I I kind of uh, vented some frustration about. Uh, fandom where like christian is not fast and there people are like oh well he's lazy he's not doing something he's a sitting duck uh and it's just like you don't (laughs) you you don't need it's like when people were like so excited about sam nicholson like i get why they were because he ran at people but there's other ways to play soccer than playing like you're playing on fifa and running directly at everyone like uh there's there's a certain level of brains that uh, that are involved in other people. You know, I talk about how much I love Dim- Dimitar Berbatov and how you know the the chain smoking lazy striker is is my favorite. Uh, but you know, I, so I think we're making a case that I would be pretty upset if I saw Ramirez leave this team um, because I just don't think. We don't know what we brought in other players, but we have no idea how they are. We know that Toy right, and right. Dunlady are not replacements. Right. We, we do not have a single proven goal scorer on the team besides him. Right, and so, and it, despite playing like you know six or seven games yeah. at less than than full health, 
he's pretty near to his usual averages for goal scoring now. And I want to say this about Angelo uh, Rodriguez, is that um, uh, the DP uh, fi- name is like, this is where the DP thing is really annoying. The team could have done it like Romario, where he's a TAM player, they use some of the TAM there, but you don't want to use all your TAM because then you have no trading uh, stuff. And so, you know, uh, uh, Christian would also be a DP this year, but they use some TAM to buy him down. So I think we're going to be putting a lot more attention on Rodriguez. And it's I think the team spent more on Romario than on Rodriguez. And so it's just a misnomer, and it's that, that's just the fact of life, right? Like, we're going to say the second DP, and we're going to look at him. But I don't think we need to look at that DP tag and say, like, oh, well, they're, they're expecting him to start over Christian. Uh, I think that they're looking. They need the team desperately needs two people fighting for that spot, and Mason Toy, bless him, is not ready to fight for that spot. Uh, Dunlady also is whatever state he's in. Right. So the team does need someone, uh, and it's probably easier to get him from outside the league than you know trying to trade for a you know squad striker. But uh, let me get back to New England because then. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Alexi Gomez, Rodriguez, you, uh, <laughs> Rodrigo. <laughs> Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Rodrigo, you can take us through the Alexi Gomez your, uh, your, PK. Your good up. friend. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, you have to. You have to. The way that uh, the the who there's this up to you, someone right? who will be unnamed always yells whenever uh, Ibsen does anything bad in the section. They yell, "That's your boy, Wes." Then. Uh, <laughs> Wait, no one yells at me for that. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, we'll come over. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, because def- I've defended Ibsen many times to this person, so uh, he will go unnamed. Um, I don't know. I mean, this whole game, it was just that, you know, that, um, and I think everybody saw it. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why New England didn't see it. I would have just played, I would have just played all the attack on the wing that... Uh, see that, what? That Alexi was getting beat every, no. every 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 ball. Every ball he was getting beat on that wing, playing defense, um, or at least trying to. And uh, my strategy would have been like, well, we seem to be able to get past him a bunch. Let's try to go do that. And they went away with that. And on that on that on that clear, and where he tried to uh, clear the ball, um, you know, it was it was right, right at the borderline. Totally reminded me of the Finley penalty kick. That yeah. we had, that we had, where was where where he, where where Gomez just pushed, tackled. Um, but it was what, what's weird about it is it's not much. It's not very. Uh, it's not dissimilar from when uh, the ball is going out and a player will just kind of step in front of the other guy and kind of check right, them. Right, he was from behind. Oh, it, so. it it was so soft and and kind of lame. But yes, also stupid. The ball is going away. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Just just. Um, so Gomez gives up the penalty uh, they score it's 2-1 Minnesota by the 75th minute was at a five man back line desperately clinging to this game Um, it's a plan that worked it's actually kind of one of those rare times it's worked for us because we've seen this team try to bunker and, and it not work very well actually but that's not true I think we've only given up like truly given up a lead once this year, like late, and that was the Colorado game when we but, were down a but, man. But we've we have certainly looked very got, shaky. We've we've made yeah. it really harrowing and close, but we have not lost one. 
Okay, I mean, I would say giving up uh, call them out, call three them goals, out. three goals against Toronto, and two goals yeah, late yeah. against. Uh, late goals. Was the uh, what was the game that freaked that he freaked out about before the, the uh, RSL last week? Yes, yeah. RSL. Right. I mean, that's not like okay. They didn't lose those games or or draw those games, but that's pretty terrible. And that's that tells you a lot about how this team cannot just bunker and hold on to a lead. I mean, they did uh, technically. I think but you team, get what I'm saying. This is like a this is like a team determined to prove the adage that like two zero is the most dangerous lead in soccer or, or whatever. Four zero you know? is the most dangerous <laughs> lead, in right? By, by leading by two, you know, it's like they 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 have again with, with the exception of that Colorado game when they were down a man, they have proven. I think they've proven enough times the ability to really shut the ship down and hold on for dear life when needed. But the problem is that it's coming to this, and they're not. There's an element of luck to all that, and it's not always going to last. Yeah, um, I, I I can buy you <laughs> on that. But I let me let me switch to to this, which is that Bobby Shuttleworth on this podcast elsewhere has not been getting enough credit. I think we've been saying that he's. I'll, I'll say I've been saying he's uh, having to make up a lot for his defenders. But the fact is, when we talk about the three players who've made this season so far, it's Bobby, Miguel, and, and Darwin. Yeah. Uh, I think Shuttleworth should be captain, frankly. Yeah, maybe. I don't I don't know anything. I mean, there's some of that stuff where I don't know any of their personalities, right? Like, uh, maybe he's... That's what I was going to say. Yeah, he's he's always yelling at yeah, but are they listening? Yeah, yeah that's so, the thing. Right? I don't know. I mean, that's something that... I. I don't think people outside the locker room are, are very good at under, maybe being able to diagnose what should happen there. But but regardless, Bobby's been unreal. And in this game, in the um, LAFC game, in RSL game, the you know, he came out with big saves. Yeah, so yeah. big Huge saves. saves. Uh, so I mean, I think that's that's the thing. I mean, I think you know to to your point. Yeah, I don't think he, he we've been getting him enough credit. But at the same time. Like I feel like I, I, this is the Bobby that I expected, right? It's like this is this is what I, we, what I saw from last season, and this is what, 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 why, why I expect. So like, yeah, have I given him enough credit? No, I don't think I have, and I think he's one of the most um, but, important players. Well, but but at the same time, go ahead. he's having, he is playing better this year. He, he is having, I, I think, the best year of his career, um, and you know, they're not great. They're not like the world's greatest advanced stats about goalkeepers, but American Soccer Analysis keeps a table of goals allowed minus expected goals allowed um, as a way to sort of figure out, you know, how, how our goalkeeper is doing and try, trying to isolate the effect a goalkeeper has on a game. And it is usually pretty good. It usually is is a ranking that matches what the eye test shows. And last year, Bobby was was. Negative zero point two one. In other words, he gave up almost exactly as many goals as you would expect given the the position and types of shots he faced. This year, he's third from the best in the league. Hmm. He's negative six point two three. So, in other words, he has saved. You know, in in the interpretation of the statistic, he has saved over six more goals. Than you would expect, given where shots have have come from against him this year. That sounds and right. I think. I mean, that is he. Throughout his career, he has been a 
a goalkeeper who who's 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 ranking in this in the last five years, he's he's generally been actually on the positive side. He's he's been below the league average. So this is really exceptional performance from him. In the two keepers above him, Evan Bush, who made two howlers uh, against Portland last week, and Stefan Fry, who made a notable howler that cost Seattle against LAFC. And I ha- I can't think of a similar mistake that Shuttleworth has made of that caliber. I think that Correct. he is. He is, he, you can make an argument that he has been the best goalkeeper in the league this year, which is really remarkable for him. And last year, uh, last year he had, uh, I think, the second most saves by one, uh, but he also faced the most shots. This year yeah. he has the fourth most saves and has faced the eighth most shots. So, he, so the defense is also getting better in front of him, I think, the, is, the, is what I would draw from that. And that means that you know, combine that with what you're saying is that uh, he's facing fewer chances, um, but he's also doing better with the chances that he's facing. And so, yeah, I, I just wanted to stop and take a little moment to uh, to praise Bobby Shuttleworth because he, uh, yeah, well, he really has been superb. We just one more thing, and then we'll move on from that. But but um, we're, I think we'll talk about formation at the near the end of the show. But. Um, Shuttleworth's weakness, which which is you know very clear, is coming coming for crosses. He's an excellent shot stopper, but he does not command his box particularly well. And I think that even though the three five two allows more space on the wings for crosses to get in, it's also putting more center backs in the center to deal with crosses, and especially Brent Coleman, who is a better aerial defender than Boxall or Calvo. And I think that that is making a difference for Shuttleworth in these recent games as well. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Minnesota United 5, LAFC 1. What? This was uh, what? probably the most surprising result uh, I can think of, uh, aside from maybe the Atlanta win away uh, last year um, in, in their two years of, of MLS. Um, I certainly thought I had a good feeling about this game. Uh, and then the first 20 minutes removed that good feeling from my body because Minnesota United were abject. Could Before not... we talk about the result, I have one okay. thing that I want to say about this game. Okay, do it. Which is that this was the best refereeing performance I've seen in MLS this year. Hmm. It was... Will... Yeah. It was... There were nine fouls called in the entire game. Nine fouls called the entire game. There were 29 shots taken by both teams. There were 18 shots on target. So the number of shots on target was twice the number of fouls called in this game. I think... Uh, it was amazing. The, no, the ref was very good. I, I remember saying that to someone near me. Um, but also... He was singing he was, Wonderwall when he left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Was he really? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> As he was passing us, the supporters, he was yeah. singing along. But the, he, the money you know, we I, slipped him before the match certainly didn't hurt, but... Yeah, yeah. It was also just a, a, a good game between the two, other than L.A. being terrible. Uh, L.A. came out certainly missing Carlos Vela and a couple of their other guys. Um, Both of these but, teams played midweek, and this game was played at 100 miles an hour. There were more yeah. passes total in this game than the previous two games. There were more passes in the attacking half than mm. our previous two games, more passes in the final third than our previous two games. I mean, it was, it was, it was just an amazing match. It, it was one of the most fun matches I have watched in years yeah. of soccer. Wow. 
you had to be there to crank it up a little bit more, my friend. <laughs> but in I the big, was, beginning of the match, they were not good, match. right? Like they couldn't. No, pa- they was... couldn't get two passes together in a row. Well, and LA was coming at them too. Yeah, well, yeah, they were pressuring the ball and and they were playing they were playing that high press and they, and they were getting you know we couldn't get we couldn't get past the past half field without yeah. without panicking and I think uh, it was just it's just a matter of trying to feel each other each other out. I mean, this is a LAFC team that. Mind you, they had missing players. It was still a LAFC team that came to came came out to, if, came out to, to if play. If they were feeling e- each other out, then LAFC were groping Minnesota United. <laughs> I mean, it was it was bad. Uh, and, and teams should do right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just just really. Uh, but in, in in the 25th minute, um, uh, Minnesota United gets a counter, and no one from LAFC in the midfield makes a run. It's just two Minnesota United players up against four. No one's following up with the next group of Minnesota Minnesota players, and then Quintero has the ball in the box, and you know it's just Ramirez, but he's covered, and and Quintero like seriously sets up a picnic. It's like <laughs> he's got hard boiled eggs, he's got uh, German style potato salad with Pops like a little blue, champagne, yeah, with blue cheese and uh, bacon, and then champagne, and then like. I think there oh. were arepas as well too in that. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you bring to your picnic, he made, it, he made them homemade. He stood <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. He did that. He did that stuff and just stood there and just you know made arepas. <laughs> the papa. His abuela the, came down. Maybe, uh, she yeah, helped him, and right. she was like, "Oh no, Darwin! It's not how you do it." She, and, and then like and then Schuler comes in. And he's like running. He's running. He didn't have to run very hard because no LA player. So he's he's waltzing. Uh, and then uh, and then Quintero just like passes the ball off, and it's side foot in. It, and Schuler's that was a beautiful Schuler's, shot. Yeah, then. first goal Schuler for opens it for Minnesota. Yeah, it, low and away yeah. and in the corner. I mean that was that was thing. But also there was a previous play in which a similar play occurred. Oh, and Ibsen, you know what oh, did Ibsen yeah. do? We just. It just bothered you. I don't know how he missed it. Like, yeah, it was a beautiful dummy by Inch, Christian. Maybe. And then uh, that's when some. That's when this person yelled out, "That's your boy, Wes." <laughs> Jerk. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, that set the that set the stage, and like, all right, we're going. And then a minute and a half later, guys, yeah, they clearly saw something, and then they're like, "Okay, time to move." Cowboy well, see were. They were pressing so hard, but it was like um, they were like uh, iron, right? If you as soon as you broke their press, they had nothing. Yeah, yeah. The um, a minute and a half later, Calvo gets stripped of the ball on the top of the box, and then he and Coleman kind of sit and wait to see if Warner can get the ball. He doesn't. The ball gets to Diego Rossi, then it cycles around, gets back to Diego Rossi eventually. Uh, who's ten yard, who twice found himself 10 yards from the goal, right in Calvo's spot, like just hanging out. Uh, Diego Rossi, who, by the way, Minnesota did try to get, and goddamn, he would have been good. Uh, imagine him on the, on the right, Quintero on the, in the middle, Ibarra on the left. Anyway. This, this actually happened so fast live that I didn't even see it. I mean, no, it was, yeah. we were still celebrating. We were like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Oh, oh I so definitely did not see it. I've, I've now gone back and watched <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then Rossi gets the goal, and then it's like, oh. Here we go. Here we are again. Yep. Right? Yeah. This is We've, we've seen this story before. Uh, this dance. Uh, but Minnesota, Minnesota, after that, they didn't go back into their uh, into to what we had seen previous to the goals. And then finally, by the end of the uh, first half, they get uh, two more because 
there's a corner that doesn't get cleared in the 44th minute. The ball gets forward. This is also, again, the kind of defending that I'm used to seeing Minnesota do. And the ball gets kind of cleared back toward the goalkeeper. And then Ramirez, Johnny on the spot, turns, gets it. And the, the ball that he puts underneath the keeper, the, the, the actual goal, is is pretty stellar. You know, oh, this is the one that starts... The, it's the it you know he, with a header that kind of bounces. And yeah, bounces. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, Miller, I think, isn't it? Yep. Uh, Miller said, yeah, yeah. Oh, it is it? Okay, and then so Miller got two. Set the set piece that came out. Yeah, they try to clear and they didn't clear. Then clear long enough. Miller jumps up, trying just to play it back in there. It bounces off yeah. one of the boing, boing, one of the LFC yeah. players. So everybody. It's, it's, it's still considered. I can't believe that nobody and, picked it up. It just and and then and then Ramirez just it's 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 a hustle goal and that's one of the best goals that you can get. It's like a hustle goal. He he kept. He kept on moving when the ball was moving, and as soon as you can get his hip around it, he just. Whack. If you watch the replay, you see his eyes just focus on the ball. As soon as he gets a chance to whack it, and just yeah. whacks it right on yeah. the other goal. I mean, that was, that was a hustle goal, and that was a uh, that was a nice goal as well too. So. And then before the end of the half, then, one minute later, Eric Miller again gets a. So I didn't realize he got two assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two assists. He, uh, you know, he he just very simply, just sends a ball through to Quintero, who. Gets a ball at the far post. Who I played mean, that offside line so? I mean, it was just—it it seemed so easy at yeah. that point. Well, it was I mean, that was like a hot, hot enough and. And that's kind of what you want to with this. With, when we'll talk about the formation, that's kind of what you want to do is you want to be able to attack from the wings, right? To be able to do that, and that's what we were doing in this game. We would be able to have the liberty to get two get two balls out to the wings, and then just try to see if you can play it out to it. I mean, yeah. I mean, this this to me at least, you know, anybody else who was saying Eric Miller can play in a three five two. Well, there you go, two assists. What do you say now? Right. Yeah, yeah he had a great game. Um, the uh, the the second After Gomez went out. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Hey. <laughs> sub of the night, I think. Right. Well, let's let's talk about but that. When you so, sub an injured player, I mean, do you really give that a tactical uh, advantage? I mean, so I Ryan Kotajarvi um, asks. Uh, Ryan actually started taking photos. Uh, Four fifty-five one. He's at RK uh, or at R. Yeah, whatever. Kota Jarvis. Is that whatever. when he's coming down here, shooting us in action? Yeah. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> spell it out yourself. That was guys. so sad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, plug, uh, the, plug his Twitter and then he can't even spell it. Yeah, I, just, I realize that's too I-K-O-T-A-R-B-I. many letters. R-K-O-T-A-J-A-R-V-I. Can use it in a sentence. Every, everybody um, follow him despite Wes. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, he says, does Alexi Gomez deserve to be starting? Uh, look, nah. there's. I want to be. I, uh, I think we got a couple questions about Gomez. I want to be really patient with these guys, with with uh, foreign players coming into the league. Same thing with why I'm kind of preaching patience about Maximiano. That one I agree with. But Alexi Gomez. You know, he's been forced to play more than I think they would have originally wanted to and sooner than they originally wanted to. But at some point, you're making 300000 It's a big investment, and he's not been good enough. And uh, Eric Miller comes in, and I, I said last week, I don't think he can play as a left wing back. He did just fine. Uh, I, I think that... You take it back then? Um, I I would say I would... I. I would not like to see him out there. I think there's better ways to utilize him. But right now, the team, the squad that we have, absolutely, I'd put him out there. I, my hope is that Romario can play that position. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, people who've said that Miller cannot play in a three-five-two have totally not 
Well, see, Again, the, it's just the, one the, person the gasp, on Reddit yeah. said it once. And then, hey, no, it was just more than one person that that, that no, it just, it, it, just on became, it just became it just became twi- it's just Reddit and yeah, then, yeah. and then it disseminates to Twitter it and then Twitter becomes gospel. Just, so. yeah, anyways, but in regards of it, I mean, I I think um, like I would be more comfortable with Miller than than Alexi Gomez because at least I know he's not going to get beat that bad. <laughs> And the wing when playing defense. Gomez right? did have a really good tackle in this game, though. Right, we're talking about one, right? Yeah, I know, I know, but every once in a while he'll do. <laughs> what, like, actually, what, once right, a game he'll every, have a one really good three games, right? Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like you want to be able to have consistency yeah. at least in yeah. that position, specifically if you're going to be supporting who Calvo on that wing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Calvo is more than willing to go out and play out of position, and you need to have someone who's a little bit more solid when it comes to to defending, and as 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 we know, Alexi is he's he, he's a wild swinger. He'll swing, he'll slide, he'll pushing at PKs. You know, he'll he'll be he'll be physical, but he he, he doesn't have that that mentality, which is which is true because he's not he's he's not a, a defending player. He's more of an attacking, creative player. So uh, that's that. I mean, I, I would be okay with someone who's willing to go on that wing and be able to create some of the offense, but at the same time have the mentality to play back. That might be conservative in some other players, but then you also add on um, you know some of the offensive players that we've got on who are yet to see the field as much so so having said all that is it uh, Flamengo Pegatofilu <laughs> come get your boy uh, come get your boy for, for well we certainly we don't, yeah. we don't have an international spot for An- Angelo Rodriguez yet so I think very much either we're going to see uh, Uwundi uh, you know put on oh, a yeah, put in guy. a little uh, reed basket and sent down the uh, Nile River <laughs> Something like that, or uh, I, I don't know. It, it's um, I, I think that there's going to be a, a, at least one. Flamengo's one of those doing guys, really um, well in Brasileiro, which is like I don't know why you want him, but I guess if you want him, <laughs> well, isn't that where um, isn't that where um, El Capitan plays? Uh, Capitan, um, <laughs> Peruvian forward. Oh yeah, Guerrero. Yeah, Guerrero, he, he finally started playing this week. I think last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they finally lifted someone of the band, so now he's playing. So. Yeah, I don't. But yeah, why would they want him? I have no idea. Like, if you want to take him, take him, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's been his. That's been Gomez's history most of his career. He's been loan out, loan out here, loan out there, loan out there. I think he he can serve a purpose. Wes is sighing as we turn it into South American. I uh, yeah, I was going to say in the second. In the, <laughs> in the long Stop Gomez it's it's our us. time. Yeah. in the second half. Enough, guys. Let me take over your podcast. Right. We'll Let's go back the, to we'll the, the, the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does <laughs> Alexi Gomez deserve to be starting? No, no. Miller is better. Okay, there we go. Let's move on. No. All right. In the second half, it was basically like nostalgia night uh, at TCF Bank Stadium. Back to the Nessie because you had in the 56th minute, uh, um, it's basically uh, Quintero to Ramirez in the box, who then back heels to Ibarra. The, 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 the peak 2014-2015 uh Batman, Superman. The Absolutely. reason that they that that nicknames those nicknames were given was because of the backheel extravaganza that suddenly happened. There was literally, literally games in the, that era where it would be backheel, backheel, backheel. Like you'd have three players backheeling to one another. Daniel Mendez would come in there, and uh, and so this was like totally straight out of that book. Um, uh, and yeah, Ibarra gets a goal. Uh, he, he goes and jumps on top of Ramirez. Uh, and then a minute later, Ibarra to Schuler, back to Ibarra. Oh, just in, such a pretty Just goal. like a basic triangle, yes. right? So and then pretty. he crosses and to the Ramirez. The defense was horrible on oh. that play. 
the LAFC defense is exactly what people like me were like saying the beginning of this season this is what we're going to see in LAFC, right? Which which explains, I mean, like, when they play other teams, it's, it's mostly a shootout, uh, if, if yeah. anything, right? So, yeah. In fairness to LAFC, they were, they did not have Walker Zimmerman or Betashore, who are two of their starting yes. defenders on the field. I mean, they, they were, they're sort of resting for the for the LA Galaxy game on, on Thursday, and they also right. prioritized the Open Cup quarterfinal against Portland. So, I think that this... You know, we we talked at the beginning about how this was such an unexpected result. It was a little bit less unexpected once you saw the lineup that LA were trotting out there. We knew Vela wasn't going to be playing, but not having Zimmerman or Betashore, uh, not having Diamande start. I mean, these are pretty critical absences for LA. Hey, man, as long as people want to think that we're terrible and that they can beat us with their uh, scrub team, then great. Yeah. Good. This Everyone. game may have uh, disabused other MLS coaches. Of no, Vancouver, you can do it. You're totally good. <laughs> Carl Robinson, you're such a great coach. Vancouver's um, in his own situation I, to start with yeah. anyway. I, yeah. so I got a quick question. Uh, on yeah. the fourth goal, are, are you sure that Ramirez actually touches it because I think that the at least at the stadium it's called a dummy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They said they gave the assist to Quintero. Well, doesn't know what a dummy is. No, he he got his foot on the ball. <laughs> I don't know. They gave the assist to Ramirez officially. I think it was one of those where you talk about the holdup. I mean, he definitely took the defender with him. I'm not sure he actually I thought touched he got the his ball. Foot on. Well, regardless, it Twitter, was a, know. it was a dummy back heel. Officially, uh, Ramirez he moves has his the foot assist. to back heel. <laughs> Okay, well then, all right, you're this right. Is like current political making up our own reality. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Make up We're my playing identity fingers. politics on this podcast. Uh, right so, all right. So, uh, speaking of, I'm going to cut it. We're going to go to Twitter questions in a minute. But um, any, any uh, oh, any final notes uh, about these two, two games? Uh, or I guess this whole homestand? Um, um, Alex, you want to talk about formation? I think someone's going to ask about that, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, we can talk about it now. Happy, man. So. Very happy. I wanted yeah. nine points. Got nine points. Yeah, we got yeah, nine there's points. There's a question about it. Okay. I, I, I'll make a final point then, which is that Darwin Quintero, previously, right, I was saying, sub him off by the 70th, 75th minute. He's not doing, uh, you know, at that point, he's losing effectiveness. Um, he's been doing so much defensive work. Yeah. And stripping guys of the ball, tackling. He pressing. won a header. We're like, he won yeah. a header. I, and, yeah. and also, it's like. It's like when Miga wins a header, right? Uh, right. Unla- celebrate that. Unlike last season where we were talking about, well, you've got Christian and Molino who are not good at pressing the ball. You've got uh, Quintero there who's doing a lot of pit bull stuff. Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm now like rescinding my. I think that he just probably was not fully in shape when he came to us. And now we're seeing it. And it's just. He is, he's a beast. And I keep on uh, trolling uh, Andrew Weeby and David Goss uh, of the Extra Time Radio <laughs> about it uh, because, uh, because it is unreal. He's, he's the MV, MVP uh, best. Uh, oh, no, someone asked this question, so I'll, I'll go to that. Um, let's, let's get to a break, and we'll come back, and we've got lots of Twitter questions. <laughs> Back on the fifty five one podcast, it's Twitter questions. But uh, first, you've got a uh, Quintero thought here. What's up, well, the, Alex? The one thing it does, like, it does kind of prove the adage, right? That when a team is committed, that everyone is willing to do a lot more work. When a team is like 
feels good about how they're playing. Uh, that's what I've seen. And that's what I've seen from Minnesota in this homestand is that before home crowds and the, the team had a real sense of belief and everyone was working for each other. And so people were putting in extra work on both sides of the ball. And that was really great to see. And, and I have dogged Adrian Heath relentlessly about all kinds of stuff. I will say that the one thing that it is really remarkable to me is that he, I, th- I don't think he has ever lost the locker room. No matter how poorly we've been playing, he has had that team committed to to their goals and not, you know, you see like the, the tire fire that's going on in San Jose right now and, you know, all these other teams in the league where it just seems like a total mess in the clubhouse. I don't think I've ever felt that way about Minnesota United. And, and you have to give a lot of credit to, to Adrian Heath for that. I, I'll say a month ago, I thought he had lost it. I thought there was an insurrection, but... I'm I'm glad. I mean I mean I'm very glad that that we're looking good. What uh, a difference uh, a week makes, right? Uh, well, and, but as many people have pointed out, we have six of seven away games right now. We've yeah, won this, one. This is the real deal. Right? Yeah, and we've won one away game all season. That was against Orlando, who were missing the, literally their five best players. Also, and, and who turned out to be really bad. Yeah, but also. Even worse because they were missing the yeah. people who prevent them from being extremely bad. Um, so you know, Vancouver away right next week is a perfect chance to to prove that right. Keep Vancouver, going. Vancouver in trouble, and uh, and Minnesota are, are feeling it. So keep that going. And they've got uh, I forget who the next couple games are. Then Seattle, it's oh, Seattle home, at home, Seattle. and then LA Galaxy yeah. away. What we'll, we'll call that Rui Diaz day? I mean, the, those three games again are like all right. Winnable. Galaxy are win are coming back a little bit. But like Seattle are terrible. So the next two games, yeah. we, I would say we should win one of them. Six seven. Well, I mean, but. Seattle played Vancouver, and, Van- and Seattle needed a red card to be able to get two goals. Yeah. And did. So I mean, but I mean, I mean that was the Ruiz yeah. debut. So, 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 so let me let me ask actually ask a Twitter question here. Sorry. Okay, ask it one. Which is uh, Dan Scarup says, let, let's say we get Benedetti and Finley and Molino are back from in. Uh, yeah, Benedetti and Finley and Molina are back from in- injury. Who the hell do you start, and what formation do you use, Alex? I'll I'll, I'll go to you since uh, Alex since Adrian Heath uh, <laughs> takes all his tactical advice from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that if Benedetti joins the team when he is ready, he's going to start taking Ibsen's minutes. Um, as as this because Ibsen, from what I know about Benedetti, which again I've not never seen him play. But he is, he is a, a playmaking midfielder, and he's not going to take one of the forward spots in this 3-5-2. And the 3-5-2 looks like it's here to stay, at least for now. Um, so I see Benedetti taking minutes from Ibsen. As for Finley and Molino, I don't think either of them are a starter until the end, you know, for the rest of the year. Um, that's partly because they're coming back from serious injuries. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if they will come back, but uh, if they do, I think that they there's there's an opportunity on you know at the, at the left wing back position. But uh, I think that it will be tough for them to get in the lineup if we continue to play that the way the way we've been playing. Well, they're also both players where there could be a good demand for their services. So I mean, there could be some. Well, good trades, this offseason, you know, certainly their value is, is down. Their stock is down. But this offseason, 
assuming that uh, Romario, Rodriguez uh, both turn out to be okay, at least. Enough that you'd want it, that you don't have to ship them out or something. Then we've got, then there will be teams knocking at the door. Right. right. And then you have assets, right? Um, uh, we're going to need to be trading during the offseason for a couple spots. And then you actually have these players who you can actually send somewhere. And uh, look, you or even keep them. I, I like both Molino and Finley. Um, Molino keeps Alex having something to do. Uh, so that's, that's useful, you know. Keep on idle, idle. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, next question is from LGBT Soccer, formerly uh, Gay for Soccer, uh, and he says, "Why haven't you given Colin Martin my number yet?" I, I don't have Colin's number, so no, just tag, tag him, tweet at him. Yeah, that's I mean, privilege information. Yeah, so. Uh, so, uh, Robert the Red says, how much is it going to hurt when this wind streak comes to a crashing halt? Not too much. I guess it's a, I mean. (laughs) Such a Minnesota sports question. (laughs) Yeah. I guess it's a Minnesota question, right? Just a generally, like, I would assume that Robert, Robert is a, is a, a Finn. Uh, I would assume there's enough darkness in your heart that you're prepared for that, uh, eventuality. And actually by asking that question, you are prepared for it, Robert. So, you know, uh, embrace the darkness. Well, Bruce, do you know what he put out his prediction yeah. today? And you want to you, know over? I forget how many games over the next six, six or seven. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think you said ten, right? I said, to, and the, I said yeah. nine. How many? He so Bruce wanted to know how many points people think we'll get from it. I think I, I could easily see the team I'm outst- hoping outstripping the ten. Yeah, I'm that I that, I, that sure. I predicted, but I said six. <laughs> wow. All right, Embra- really embracing the darkness. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Macfapolis, I, I don't know how we'll say that. Uh, why isn't Ibarra going to the All Star game? <laughs> there are a lot of people I think who answered this question on Twitter by saying because he's wearing black and gray stripes, not black and red stripes. I thought yeah. that was a good answer. Yeah, because the, the end. Because uh, <laughs> next the, question, the All Star game is picked by. Uh, Fan votes and yeah, whatever. But I, I mean, really, he's like, not going to get injured. That's the real, fine. The real answer they, is they, that they were picking Ib- fan votes and not podcast. Ibarra has been fantastic for Minnesota, but not. I mean, he's not blowing away the league. There's still a lot of good players in this league, and maybe who's our Calvo's the guy, right? The Calvo's, yeah, was <laughs> was chosen by by Tata. But basically, I mean, that's like they they need the World Cup player. I, there. I mean, this is a marketing a event. Thing. You know, it's not like. No, we no. None of us should pretend that this is at all like a. Uh, who's Remember the best when uh, Frank Lampard and uh, Steven Gerrard made the MLS All Star game? Yeah, after playing Good like times. three games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Tim Super Rookie says if Beckerman states that Minnesota is MLS 1.0, does that make his dreadlocks beta? Um, I mean, it certainly Let's makes below beta. Uh, makes his dreadlocks 1990s. So yeah, absolutely. Hey man, he had a show to play at the Caboose. Just. You know, he, he was thinking about that. Oh man, <laughs> below beta, oh, alpha. He had to open for Wookie Foot. Jake, Jake Hemish says Still below beta. There's been a lot of good DPs this year. Who, where would you rank Quintero top ten? Uh, I'm assuming I, I, he means new signings. I guess yeah, new signings or good, just good players. I, I, I mean, if we're talking about new DPs in the league, there's Carlos Vela and uh, Jesus Medina. Um, 
I, I think Quintero has been He's just be. just behind yeah. Vela, right? I'll like say top five. Maybe Vela, top five. Vela and like Zlatan, maybe. Oh, no, yeah. but yeah, I think he's oh, but Zlatan, Zlatan isn't a DP. Yeah, Zlatan's yeah. not a DP. Yeah, but I mean, I he's think the general question is, yeah, Rooney a DP? Uh, Rooney is a DP. Yeah. Um, no, I Kaku think Kaku for been Red the Bulls second, has been second fantastic. Uh, new player. I think I think uh, Quintero is by far the best midseason addition uh, in the league. I, I and I think that you know if he keeps this up, then absolutely at the end of the year he's going to be. League best eleven. Like to see what his contract top five, says I about. Think is my answer. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Doctor McKen or Mister Ben McKenzie says, if uh, Minnesota United rumored transfer target feeds a duck, how likely is their move on a scale from ironclad to one hundred one thousand percent certain? I, I put this question in mostly because I I literally don't understand what's being asked of me right now. <laughs> Feeding it like I know it's I know I know the like the words make sense to me. I understand the basic concept of what's happening, but then I'm trying to combine it all. I can't get it, so I'll move on. Brock Wilson <laughs> says it's beautiful though. There's there, there's a certain yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a poetry to it. Yeah, Brock Wilson says biggest impact of the three five two Calvo being in a more natural position. Uh, Coleman being on and central, warning Warner getting on the field, Darwin giving more space to create and play off wingers, specifically Ibarra, etc. I'll go to you, Alex, since you invented this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one had, no one had thought of putting three five two on the field before you, so Yeah. Um I th- I think that uh, I think it's probably most number one and number three. Uh so I think that Calvo being in a more natural position has really helped him because he's able to freelance, and if he if he screws up, there are two guys behind him. Um, and I, I think that having three people in the center has just it's just there are more bodies who are in that zone who are able to mop up crosses both low and high. I think it's been very important. And then I also think having the three central midfielders is important. Um, we don't have a player like N'Golo Kante who, you know, is just everywhere on the field. Um, our, our central midfielders are hardworking but kind of limited. And so having more of them means that we're clogging up the center of the field more where there's always somebody in zone 14 on top of the box. So we're not giving the other team as much free space in that area. Um, I think that those have been the two most important things about the three five two. Can I just say, listeners, if you have not seen Pogba serenading the team and specifically in Golo Kante in the on the Champs Elysees to the tune of Champs Elysees, it will bring you so much joy. I've replayed it. I don't even know how many times. It is beautiful. The French team have been. It is beautiful. Wonderful to watch in their celebrations. They have, they've been yeah actual joyful. Oh. Um, I, I, I think that uh, I, I'm uh, uh, going to agree with you um, for the most part. I think the, the uh, addition is that Calvo um, is really good at distribution. It lets him move forward a little bit and distribute. Um, he made several really aggressive attacking runs this week. Yeah, None of them I paid off, but they were very funny. There's one time where Coleman did that as well, and you were like, "Come on, Coleman, just get back." <laughs> but uh, but the the other thing is that the team has stopped 
playing with this uh with this imagination that they could be a possession team, right? Yeah. In the four-two-three-one, they needed to. They were. I don't know if they needed to be, but they were inherently uh, a possession team. And look, they're not good enough to do that. They have a, a couple really great players who can do that, but they can't move the ball around like that. And now they're they've turned into a five uh, whatever this three-five-two counterattacking team, and they have speed. Right, I mean, yeah. Quintero, Gomez is still fast. Ibarra, um, Calvo, yeah, Calvo. You've got, but you've got a lot of speed for this counterattack on these wings, and and you've had how many times now? Maybe just twice, but Miguel has done that thing where he keeps on running yep. from the wing back, goal and he goal. and he scores, you know, on the le- on the left side, uh, you know, it, and and I think that that has helped. Change things, and I, I we, think that 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 that's finally where we need to be. Because you we, don't need. Uh, we thought we only could be counter if we had Abu Dhabi because he could play off the shoulders. But you don't need to boot it long to someone to play counterattacking soccer. We talked last week about the parallels to the French and the Belgian team, uh, the yeah. World Cup. I mean, this was a World Cup where there were two dominant strategies. One was set pieces, um, and the other was. It just hit on the counter, you know. It was not a tournament where teams that played possession soccer had really any kind of success. Um, and I think that the parallels for Minnesota uh, with the Belgium team are especially especially close because that Belgium team also played with three at the back. Now, the the main difference is that Minnesota Minnesota's attacking players, like three top attacking players. One of them is a wingback, whereas for uh, Belgium it was it was uh, one of the midfielders, Kevin De Bruyne. But I, I think that for Minnesota, having this, having these, I mean, there was no wingback on earth making these bizarro attacking runs that Miguel Abar is making, and it's confusing the hell out of other defenses. Yeah. I think that other teams are going to start to anticipate it more and prepare for it more. But this week, I mean, New England and. LA had no idea what to do with these like central attacking late central attacking runs coming out of the the right wing back position. Yeah. So uh, a couple more questions. Uh, Stephen Nelson says in the pod la- extra pod last week, uh, Ben Grossman suggested that if Molino, Finley, and Cronin were not injured this year, would be a playoff team. Do you agree with that? And if so, how many more points do you think we'd currently have? Um, Did we answer this already? Well, basic well, basic plug is that uh, I don't know if you guys heard the interview I did with Ben Grossman late in the week last week, a Minnesota United owner, uh, and uh, you know he was one of the people you can blame for uh, if you hated Fox Sports coverage, um, and so we talked about producing the World Cup. Um, anyway, so he says, uh, yeah, Molino, Finley, and Cronin, they're they're gone, and that really hurt us this year. Um, but do you? Do you think that if we have them, we are now already in playoff points? Do you, do you think we could have won? How many how many games would we have won that we didn't? Is this without injury or coming back from injury? No, if they, if if they, they were, were not injured. injured. If we just had them full from the beginning. I think we don't lose that freaking Colorado game. Sure. I, don't, okay. I, don't, I think we win one. two or three more games, I think. And then okay. that's, that's what... So we are, play, we are a playoff that'd team. That would be nine then. points. I think, I, think, I think Molino would be... 
Um, I think Finley, yeah, they could, they, they could, they could, they could at least ha- like, help us hold the lead. But the the, the other the, the the point where I I think that maybe that's not right is that Ibarra wouldn't have been on the pitch, right? Like uh, Heath's hand was forced this year in a way it wasn't last year. How, in a, in a it, three five two. Uh, to 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 putting me first before so the who, three five two. Okay, so then let's put let's out. So who would Finley go in for in this three five two? Then I don't know. What what I'm saying what I'm saying is from the beginning when Miguel was was carrying this team, he was getting chances because Molino and Finley, the two players who kind of pushed him out of the team, weren't on the pitch, and so uh, Heath was forced to play Miguel. And oh, turns out that Miguel is as great as everyone was saying, and. And so I think that I, we are absolutely missing Finley and Molino. Both of them would add a lot, but I do think it's a weird like alternate reality where mm-hmm. you can't quite you can't quite decide. I think that's fair, uh, but I'm with Wes. I don't I don't think I made uh, 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 my opinions on Molino's effectiveness are well known. I think Finley <laughs> is very good, but I where think do you put Molino in this in this formation? Uh, well, he would be in Quintero's spot. I mean, if he came back tomorrow, he'd be Quintero's backup. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think that I think that you guys are right that Finley is harder to place. I also think that you know I'm trying to think of games where would have made a really big difference. Uh, you know, and and I guess games where we were trailing and had to sub on like France Pango, you know, or something. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know if Alexi Gomez is with the team if neither of those guys get hurt. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like every team gets injured and we've had some bad injuries, but so have other teams. And, yeah. um, and I, again, I just, I think I don't see what other people have seen in Kevin Molino. So the fact that he got injured, it hurt us, but we have better players now. Sean Goman uh, asks, should the Loons ride the core group they've been starting for weeks now to push for the playoffs during this long road stretch, possibly grinding them down to nubs? Or is it time to spread the minutes around to the younglings and newbies? I'm for taking a risk in option two. I don't know who the younglings left that we haven't given a chance to. I don't know. Also, is there any question about what Adrian Heath is going to do? Yeah. right. Adrian Heath is always fighting for his job, so obviously he's going to make... Uh, those decisions, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, we've given chances to you. like yeah, the exactly. kids have played this year. Toy has gotten minutes. Olmsberg has gotten minutes. Carter Manley. Minutes, this guy wants to see Harrison Heath start. Is that what's going? Yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds really big, Harrison Heath. No, I, I mean, I, I get that. Um, I would like to, but I, I think um, we don't have any really standout young guys. Uh, on this team, uh, to- Toy I think has the most promise, but boy, that guy's not ready. Um, I-, I think that he could be, but he need- he needs to be in- on a USL team starting. Um, That's another good conversation. <laughs> la- la- last question from uh, uh, Corazon de Melone. He says uh, two things have shown me that Heath has done enough to keep his job into 2019. First is to is willingness to change formation and stick with it. Second is subbing out Gomez yesterday at 30 minutes rather than waiting like until... He was yeah. hurt. When you, when, you, when you substitute a hurt player, I mean, yeah, how does that technically... Yeah. But tactically let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about... Uh, did 
Heath, you know, we, I've said many times on this podcast, Heath has actually shown a willingness to kind of experiment with a couple different formations, probably not enough, but then this yeah, 3 it's 5 usually because his hand gets forced. What? It's usually because circumstances force him into doing it. Right. Right, we just talked about that, yeah. And so, you know, but I, I think the LFC win kind of seals the deal that he's going to stay on for the rest of this year into next year. I feel like this stretch is what's going to be really telling. I mean, if we can That's get true. out of this with... You're right. We could go through the next six games and lose lose the next six games, and it might be a different... St- we, we'll be thinking about it differently. But uh, right now, coming off the, the um, uh, post-coital glow of uh, 5-1, it certainly seems that, uh, that Heath will have done enough, uh, you know... One one uh, national writer is is calling for him to be coach of the year, even though he's only won <laughs> one away game all year. Wow! <laughs> but uh, I mean, if, if if he can pass Alex's uh, prediction of six points, yeah, I, I, think we'll I, I, don't, I don't know. Has has Look, he done has he done enough at least to change your minds? Or are if we... Minnesota wins every remaining home game, they'll finish the year with forty three points which is typically not good enough to make the playoffs. And I don't know. I, I, I think I have thought from kind of the beginning that, that I think that we need to make the playoffs this year. I mean, to me, that's, that's what progress looks like. Um, if, you know, if the field somehow finishes, if the playoff line is like a, up at 48 points and we finish with 47 and we, you know, we just miss out and, you know, maybe, maybe you can say, okay, we, we did what we usually had to do, and we just got lucky with the year. But I don't know. I I, I, I I need to see more improvement than I think forty-three points. You think it'll be that even, high for the even West? If that's how I mean, the we West finish. is rough. Well, the, the West, West is, is a, weird. The West has a as a like basically there's four teams that we're stuck in. We're we're not going to end in the the crap tier, but we're going to end in the team group of four teams that are all fighting for that. Sixth spot. Um, so we're in the uh, participation trophy area. <laughs> uh, I mean, we could get out and get into the playoffs, and then yeah. who, who knows well, that, from that, there. That but area, we should call it the participation yeah, trophy, Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for trying. But it's basically, you know... Uh, um, Dallas. No, no, Dallas are above. It's, it's Houston, oh, no. I, uh, I us, RSL, and uh, maybe LA Galaxy. I'm, I'm forgetting what the exact uh, group is right now, but... You know, I, I think that so far we've done all right. We are now actually three points above what we did last year because uh, LA, uh, LAFC didn't exist last year. If you look at the the year on year results, and so, but we don't have many home games, and we are only good at home. So that's it, Rodrigo. You get your last point. All right, no, I just wanted to respond to a tweet that someone sent out to me regarding Ooh. experience of USA Cup, and I like oh. like a girl, uh, like a girl um, uh, college college showcase. I think um, briefly, Sean's USA Cup is probably one of my favorite tournaments to not only have players go to, but just be able to be part of uh, one of the biggest uh, Midwest tournaments, youth. T- tournaments at, at Nessie uh, but just the fact that people get to you get you get to see people from all around uh, not only the states but the uh, the world in that sense you know we, uh, someone tweeted me a picture of a Peruvian team that came to play and my kid got to play against a Canadian team 
so that's always interesting and other teams out of the players that I knew so it's always a great experience um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good tournament um, meeting people like Mia Ham or um, just having did others. you meet her no I didn't meet her oh. but like a bunch of other players that I knew did go and do that and being part of the I think the the, the ceremony, the opening ceremony is probably one of the biggest things for a lot of the people who play soccer or have the ability to, you know, be in a club that, that, that gives them that option. Uh, and second, uh, like a girl college showcase, uh, it was a great two days uh, from when I was there. I wasn't there the whole time, but I think um, when people talk about what is there to do regarding this pay-to-play uh, scenario, I think this is where we say... We need to start supporting organizations like Like a Girl and um, and Like a Girl is we've talked about it on this podcast, but just give the brief rundown of what it is. Um, it's it's an opportunity for as much as an opportunity for people to do, for for girls to play open play, and mostly girls who uh, who come from um, from communities that don't have access to uh, you know pay to play aspect of it, right? And really making it more as a we we uh, we're here to play. We're here to grow as together. So uh, Kyle Johnson um, is the Kyle is the is is, is the is the main um, main person behind that group. And I think uh, Kyle has done uh, a great job these past two years since just putting together. I think the showcase is is an opportunity for players who will never get to looked at. Um, by uh, uh, Division three schools, or Division two schools, to be able to get opportunity to go to college and and, and to play, uh, but also get an education. It, it's a great opportunity for that. And I think we need uh, to support organizations like that more, and then just bring them into the conversation in the in the conversation around um, developing youth soccer. So cool. Well said. All right, comrades, this is the end. Alex, thank you so much. Uh, um, Rodrigo, Eric, good to see you guys again. Listeners, thank you. Uh, we will. We, we don't have a home game this week, but next week we will be back. And uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>